Hello and welcome to this edition of Notes from Minnesota. I am your hostess with the Moses, Beth Ann Erickson. Thanks for tuning in today. Ah, uh, yeah, I am. Um, today I got a freelance question. I don't know many of you know I actually own Filbert Publishing. It is the publishing house that promises to make your writing sparkle, help you market smart and repeat. And um, I'm answering a subscriber question today because I get this one a lot, and um, you know, I, I, I write about it all the time, and I'm I'm not sure exactly how to answer because I answer it over and over in my books. But here we go again. Um, it's the the question is. Dear Beth, my question to you is very simple. How does a writer find work and how do they know what to charge for their work? And lastly, how do they get paid? So let's break that into three sections. How does a writer find work? Well, you ask for it. You find companies that are people who need a writer. That means um, when I was first starting out, I would run from newspaper to newspaper asking if they needed anybody to do anything whatsoever. You have to kind of prove yourself. And then once you've proven yourself, then you get other assignments. For example, I wound up being a stringer as a freelancer. And they paid me a pittance, hardly anything to cover city council meetings. And then I got a little promotion and I wound up doing school board meetings. And then when I didn't care for my wage, I uh, approached another um, local newspaper and asked, I said, hey, I'm going to be at this council meeting. Do you want to have someone here to actually cover it for you? And they said, sure. So then, boom, I doubled my money. Next thing I knew, I was writing for three newspapers and two radio stations covering the same meeting. And then it wasn't long after that that I started doing features and it, I just kind of rose up the ranks. But you have to start somewhere. And another way I found work is by, I went through the yellow pages and I found, um, I found companies that had very large ads because I figured if, if they had a large ad, then I would more than likely be able to, um, you know, maybe they had a publishing budget of some sort. And so I would just write them a letter and say, hey, if you have any overflow worker, if you need somebody who's really good at writing to help you with these ads, let me know. And by golly, I got a few assignments out of the deal. So, I mean, those are just two examples of how I found work. I just found people who needed me. I'd send a letter. Sometimes I would read a newspaper article and I'd say, oh, wow, look at there. This, this company looks interesting. So I'd shoot them a letter saying, hey, I saw your article. It was wonderful. I really believe in what you're doing. I think you're awesome. And if you ever need a writer, let me know. And so that's how that went. Um, it was really easy. And, you know, what I liked about my method is um, you know, I could have called them. But then if they had rejected me, I would have probably gotten my feelings hurt and I would have wow wad forever. But oh well, you know, I, I'm not that kind of person, but I found letter writing to be absolutely perfect and I, I loved it because that way I could uh, um, I could get a hold of them and they would, you know, if they didn't want me, they would just ignore me. But if they did, I, I would, um, one thing I remembered is I made it, and I still do, I guess, and not as much as I used to because I'm so busy, but I made it very easy for them to get back to me. And so when you're when you're actually contacting clients, be sure to like to have a postcard. And I'd get these postcards back saying, "Hey, call me back." And then I, when I called them, it wouldn't be a cold call because I'd be, you know, "Hey, you know, you uh, 
sent me this postcard and blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, I had a little writing assignment and it was really, really awesome. Um, how much, how do I know what to charge? Well, that's a tricky one because I, I'm not going to give you any numbers. But what I did was I researched, I looked, I, I just did a search for like copywriting fees or brochure writing fee. That was the nice thing about my little postcard is I'd say, and what, what are you interested in having me write? And so, um, so I'd send them the letter and in the letter be my introduction saying how awesome they are and how I like, would like to work with them. I'd have a postcard inside. They would send back the postcard and then on my, one of the things, you know, tell me about your business or what you need me to write. Sometimes they'd say a brochure. So then I'd say, you know, I go to run over to Google at the time and I'd say, what is your average charge for a postcard or, or a brochure? Or what's your average cost for a letter or a yellow page ad? <clears throat> so I, I would get, um, I would get an idea of what I should charge. And then, you know, another thing I would do is I would ask them, what is your budget. And a lot of times they'd tell me what their budget was and I'd be, well, by golly, that's exactly what I would, that's fine with me. And so that's how I knew what to charge for my work and how do I get paid? Again, you're a business. Invoice them. Decide how you want to do it. A lot of people, well, I, did, I never worked on spec. Working on spec meant I didn't get paid anything. That that just didn't work for me. But what I normally did was I'd get 50% up front and then I would get 50% upon delivery of the first draft. And then they would have two to three revisions. And this was assuming now, of course, that I had interviewed them well and I knew exactly what they wanted and how they wanted me to do it. I had a really good idea of what I needed to do. Um, you'll have to decide how to work it for yourself. You know, maybe... Maybe you're better than I am and can charge more and can get it all up front. But that's what I did because oftentimes there would be one or two revisions. You just never know. And sometimes, you know, ideas change along the way. Um, I never had a huge contract, but I did have, <clears throat> excuse me, what I call the memo of understanding. And so I would just, I would just write out exactly what we talked about. We'd both sign it, and including in there would be my, you know, 50% up front, 50% upon um, receipt of the first draft, and you get two revisions after that, and then we would both sign it. So I, I but I run my business very loose weave, and, you know, maybe you're going to be wanting to be a little more professional and awesome about it. It's all up to you, and that's what's wonderful about this business, and in fact, um, even when I sign a new author to Filbert Publishing, I kind of run it the same way. I accept in that case, you know, I'll get 50% up front. Um, okay, I need to back up. If you actually come to me and you write something in the genre that we publish, there are no fees for you. But every now and then I will work with a local author who does something totally outside our area of expertise. And those people, I help them self-publish. And when I'm helping someone self-publish, again, it's 50% up front. And it's the remainder of it before I upload all of the books to all of the printers and the ebook distributors and such. And it, it, I do it that way. And I don't ever cash anything. Don't tell them I said that. Because if I find out that they're going to be really difficult to work with, then I just give them back their check and I say, this isn't going to work. Because I... You know, especially after the cancer, I just don't want to work with people who aren't fun to work with. And 
what's interesting is I haven't ever had to hand that check back because the local authors that I work with are incredible and they're awesome and they're so thankful and our rates are just so incredible. I, I you know, they, there's no way they can get the kind of service that I offer anywhere else and it's all one-on-one -on -one, and we meet at the coffee shop and we chit chat and and I explain the whole process and in fact we have more than one coffee meeting just because I really 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 like mochas but um yeah that's how I do it I, I guess a very loose weave company and I love my job and I love the people I work with and I hope that this person who emailed me this question I hope I helped because there's really no right or wrong way to do it. You have to do it in a way that's comfortable for you because this is your life. And if you can't enjoy your job, I mean, it's such a huge part of your life. Why on earth would you want to do a job you don't like? Or why would you want to run your job in a way that's uncomfortable for you? You have to make it work in a way that'll work for you. So if you have any comments on ideas for my friend who emailed me this question, Oh, let me know and I will uh, pass it on in another issue uh, installment of Notes from Minnesota. I want to thank you for tuning in. Oh, I've got some really fun stuff coming up, by the way. I have got some incredible author interviews up the pike. And some, in fact, I got to interview, or I'm going to get to interview, some of the people that I really admire in this business. And I'm so excited about that. And so that's coming up the pike. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for, you know, every time I say I'm going to have a regular release schedule, I kind of like something comes up. My, um, on a personal note, my dad is still dying and he's now in a nursing home. And I, this is the kind of guy he is. Uh, what happened was is he fell. Go ahead and turn this off if you don't want to hear about personal stuff. But what happened was he, um, he fell down and like three times in one week and every time he would fall I'd get a phone call from my mom and my sister and I would race over there because he couldn't get up again and uh, so we would sit on the floor and hold his hand and chit chat and put you know uh, wash rags under his elbow so that you know because he, he'd be bleeding he's uh he has atrial fibrillation I can't say that but it's fibril fibrillation fibr something um, his heart goes blah, 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 instead of ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. And uh, so he's on Coumadin, which thins his blood, which means that when he falls, there's always a really huge chance of bleeding, either, you know, breaking his skin and bleeding outside his body or, you know, breaking a vessel inside his body and bleeding out. And so we'd sit and we'd chit-chat, and then the first responders would come. Well, the third time the, fir thir um, the first responders came, they said, you know, he really shouldn't be living here. And it was a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, one reason he couldn't get up is because he has Parkinson's disease on top of everything now and makes him stiff and boom, down he goes. So when we were at the emergency room, I talked to the nurse and she said, no, it's pretty, pretty dangerous. If he falls down and gets, you know, boom, strokes out, that's the end of that. So, um, yeah, he, uh, he went into a nursing home and he loves it. Appear, he appears to love it. I was visiting him recently and he said, you know, that was the best thing I've ever done. He said, I still have a knob on the back of my head and I like it here. They keep an eye on me. I, he's getting his meds and they, we visit him and he's just an amazing person. And um, that anyway, my point being, sometimes my episodes are episodic <laughs> in, their, in my uploading them, but that's why. Um, 
family is important to me and I want to be able to help my dad as much as I am able to because well, even if he weren't awesome I would do it but he is awesome and so there you have it uh, enough whining I hope to get my next episode up soon and I want to thank you for tuning in and hanging in there with me uh, Beth Ann Erickson philbertpublishing.com uh, it's a fun fun job take care and I hope you have a fantastic week